welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning. Yes. Awesome. Uh, I am so excited to be able to bring the word this morning. And before I do anything of that, I just want to give honor to where honors due. I just want to thank Pastor Allen and Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, to be able to uh, give up the platform for a weekend and just give opportunities for different communicators to be able to share God's word. If you don't know, we are part of a multi-site church and there are different communicators across all nine services or all, all campuses, every service that is going to be able to preach. So it's cool that one, we have so many amazing pastors, and two, that we have such a, a great lead pastor to be able to give up the platform and let those young communicators share. And I'm still going to own the title, Young Communicator. Uh, and so... You own that title, right? Uh, and so, uh, but today, today uh, we are wrapping up our joy series. And how many of you would say, by a show of hands, Christmas is your favorite holiday season? Maybe it's your favorite holiday. And really, why wouldn't it be, right? Uh, you have fresh baked cookies and have zero guilt to eat them. Uh, you, you are enjoying snow. You can decorate the lights and maybe the uh, exterior decorator in you can just come alive and you can put as many lights as you want and your whole street looks like Whoville, right? I love Christmas. I love it so much, but there's something that happens every single time that takes place and it's the dreaded December 26th. The day after Christmas, right? We have Black Friday uh, for Thanksgiving, but in our hearts, December 26th is the real Black Day. Because you're like, Christmas is over. I'm, cool 108 is just playing oldies. Why are we listening to that station? I don't know. All of this is a realization that it's back to reality, right? It's back to just being a Thursday, December 26th. And, and if you are like me, you love setting up Christmas, but you hate putting away Christmas because I hate cleaning. Can I just be transparent this morning? I hate to clean, which is why the Lord is faithful and my wife loves cleaning. So I say, hey, I'm making a mess because it's your love language. You love to clean. So you're welcome, amazing wife, to which I always get the eye roll. Uh, but you put, have to put away the Christmas decor and it's the worst because it's like you're slowly killing the Christmas spirit from taking away the tree. Now, some of us put trees in boxes and some of us just to shamelessly throw them on the street. We put away our Christmas tree, the lights, the ornaments, the star, the random decorations throughout your house, right? The garland, the stockings, the random Santas everywhere from the creepy Santas to the not so creepy Santas, right? The elf on the shelf, otherwise known as child manipulation. <laughs> and finally, the nativity scene. And unfortunately for many of us, when we put away the nativity scene, we don't understand that we are actually symbolically putting the spirit of Christmas in a box, and when we put it in a box, something happens, whether we realize it or not, that we put the joy of Christmas away. And we're saying, we'll see you next year. And there's just a demeanor that takes place that you're kind of like, oh, well, now I'm going to be back to who I was. 
And so why does that happen? Why, when we clean up Christmas, do we symbolically clean up that spirit of Christmas? And I believe uh, what happens is when we put things away, there are some things that we put away in our walk with Jesus. And uh, so what do we put away? The first one is really church attendance. And I'm not saying this as a pastor on stage that you should attend church because I want to look good. But there's something about coming together in, in God's house that there's miracles that take place. And when we choose to let everything else take ownership of sitting here in church, we are allowing those other things to take control of our lives. And I've grown up in sports, and I understand travel sports, but my parents were those that are saying, you're going to come dressed in your basketball attire, and we're going to leave the second the pastor says amen. And sometimes we'll even come in between. And if you don't know, I am not a graceful sweater, uh, but I sweat profusely, and the smell that comes from that is not of the Lord. But we're going to be at church anyways. And so why is it that we're saying, hey, we'll come to Christmas Eve service, but then when we're done, will not come back. Maybe we'll come in Easter. And here's some crazy stats is that 61% of Americans go to church during, during Christmas time, but then it drops to 36% afterwards. Why is that? You know, we need to allow God's presence to be the driving force of the reason we wake up. And here's my challenge to you, church, is that in 2020, so this is the last church of the decade, and next week is the first church of 2020. Let's let this be the greatest attending weekend that this church has ever seen because we're gonna say no matter what's gonna happen in 2020, we're gonna commit this year to the Lord and we're gonna let church be something that we take ownership as a family and there is nothing on our schedule that can dictate us coming into God's house, having this amazing worship experience like we have and we're gonna drive this place like we've never seen it before. Let's let that be our commitment. The second is this, generosity. The Bible seems to indicate that one marker of joy is generosity. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8, 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in great and rich generosity. But what happens is the decline of Christmas will decline generosity. Right? We see things that take place. We have Operation Christmas Child. We have Toys for Tots. We have Angel Tree. We have all of these things that take place. And we have no worry in the world or a bat of an eye saying, yes, we're going to give to that. We're going to be generous. We're going to be generous. We're going to give. We're going to give. But there's something that happens once it hits January that's like the generosity stops. And why is that? And this is not a guilt trip, but this is a thing that we need to think about because if we're sitting here and if you're sitting here even and you say, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, we need to know that generosity doesn't stop on a holiday, but generosity needs to be the thing that we live, breathe, and act. One thing that I love to communicate to our youth group is that generosity is not just financial. It is with our time. It is with our efforts. It's with our talents and it's with our energy. So how are you going to continue to be generous. The third thing is Christmas cheer. Because let's be honest, the, the post-Christmas blues is a real thing. Because for those of us that love Christmas, you are building up Christmas after Labor Day. There is, Halloween doesn't matter. Thanksgiving doesn't matter. All of it is, is one more step to Christmas. And even Target agrees with you, right? After this back to school shopping, maybe they'll throw out some Halloween and Thanksgiving, but it's Christmas all up until now. 
And then there's just this letdown, right? I walked into Target on the 26th and it's like Christmas is gone. Where did it go? And it, and it just disappears. And sometimes that happens to us. We tend to have our schedules filled with social events from Christmas parties and, and, and family events and work parties, right? And for you extroverts, this is like your time to shine, right? Internally, you're like rocking around the Christmas tree. Ever happy. You're just pumped, right? December 26th comes and you're like, hello, darkness, my old friend. And you're just like, where did everybody go? right? Because we're Minnesotans. And it hits January and it's like hibernation time. We don't go outside unless we have to. Then you realize that we live in Narnia and it's forever winter and never Christmas until about June, right? Uh, And those are the things that take place. We often spend time with family and sometimes family is not a blessed thing. For many of us, we love to be with our family, but for some of us, being around family is the hardest thing we have to do every single year. Uh, sometimes holidays tend to bring up memories of those who are no longer with us. And I love the fact that as a church, we have an event called the Empty Chair Service where we get to walk with you in those mourning processes that if you have someone who is no longer here, we're not saying do this by yourself, but we say as the church, let us grieve with you. Let us mourn with you. Let us walk with you through these things. And, and I know that this isn't, this was for the last service, okay? I know this isn't for you guys, but sometimes the Christmas season allows us to indulge in some extra treats and some more food and, right? Maybe we look at the scale and we say, oh dear heavens, like what happened? And you're just, but again, that was last service, not this service. None of you guys are like that, but we have this feeling of guilt or inadequacy or weakness. And maybe perhaps the holidays just disappoint you all around because you have bigger expectations that can actually happen and you get let down every single year. But I don't know what your reasons are for the holidays. Maybe they're great, maybe they're not, but we are needing to know that the holiday is not just to have a holiday, but the holiday is a remembrance of our main source of joy so that during the holidays we reflect and then after the holidays we walk out right? Christmas is all about the fact that a miracle of God coming down to this earth to walk with us is now coming to fruition. So when Christmas time is over, we should not say, man, that was awesome. But we say, man, now the work is starting to bring the joy to the world. And so when we look at this and you're saying, how do we do this? We need to understand uh, that Having joy consistently is rejoicing. And so the first point I have is this, is rejoice always. If we're supposed to fight the post-holiday blues, we need to rejoice always. Paul says this in Philippians 4, 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, it's easy for the Apostle Paul to say that, right? He doesn't know what we've gone through this year. He doesn't know that I've gotten let go at work this year. He doesn't know that it's been probably the hardest financial year. He doesn't understand that where we are in our marriage is the lowest it could ever be. He does not understand that to get a C in high school takes everything in me and I still can't get it. How can the Apostle Paul say that I should rejoice not once, but twice? We are told to always rejoice because when we rejoice, we are allowing the potential suffering to 
become dedication in our relationship and our walk with Jesus. Because we are always needing to know that rejoice is a command to be joyful. And to be joyful is different than to be happy. Happiness is an emotion. Joyfulness is a choice. And here is what is amazing about our God. The Bible talks about that we can take every thought captive and we can hold on to it. And did you know that the average person has billions of thoughts per day? And if we believe the Bible to be true, we can hold captive billions of thoughts. And so the negative thoughts that you've let run rampant can be held captive and they can become joyful thoughts that will come out of you after a while. And so when we rejoice, we're saying at all times, I will choose to be joyful. So during Christmas time, I'm going to be joyful. After Christmas time, I'm going to be joyful. In times when the weather is cold and it gets dark at 2 p.m., I'm going to be joyful, right? When it's times when the Vikings will lose again, I will be joyful. In times when we are tired, we will be joyful. At times when we are at our biggest suffering moments, we will be joyful. And so some of you might be thinking, hey, Pastor Matt, it's very easy for you, the person on the mic, to say, hey, you should be joyful. As, as it, it's, it's an easy thing. And so how do you do that? And I love that we get the opportunity to have God's word available because we believe God's word is not a history book. It is living. It is active. When you need it, he'll provide it. And the reason we build it up to such anticipation is because we believe it is the lifeline uh, to understanding who God is and what he's called us for in our lives. And so when we neglect God's word, we are neglecting reasons to rejoice. And so I'm going to give you some biblical reasons why we should rejoice in all things. The first one is this. Uh, we are adopted into his family. Ephesians 1 says this, For he chose us in him before creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has given freely, uh, he has freely given us to the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So if you are sitting here and say, I don't like my family, I don't like being around, you need to understand that when you come to church, when you come to your life groups, when you go to all these different things, you are being a part of the family that you are adopted in, not by anything that you have done special, but the fact that Jesus came down and he died on the cross and he came three days later from the grave and started as a baby that we celebrate at Christmas time so that in your imperfections, you can be a part of a perfect family that is owned and fathered by God. But that's what happens when you're adopted into his family. Uh, the another one is this. Through, though there is sorrow in the night, joy comes in the morning. Psalms 35 says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for a night, but, rejoice, but rejoicing comes in the morning. And I'll tell you what, 2019 was, was like a Psalms year for me. Now, the book of Psalms, for the most part, was like this. Everything is awesome. Lego movie right there. Everything is awesome. It's so great. And then all of a sudden, it's like, God, where are you? All of a sudden, it just, you, you disappeared on me. And then, but we're going to remember and be grateful to, to the same. And 2019 was that same year for me. 
I, if I can be honest with you, I have not had a true hardship in my life. I would say things have been difficult, but I can say things were truly not hard. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call. I got a phone call from my mom saying that my dad has multiple myeloma, which is uh, cancer in the plasma. And all of a sudden I go from solid foundation to shattered. I have no idea what to do. I just fall in my kitchen. I can still remember the day. I fall on my kitchen and I just start weeping because I see my hero become weak. And so there are many times I said, what the heck? Where are you, God? Why are you letting this person go through this? We have done nothing wrong. And I gave myself three of those days. And then after the third day, you know what I said? I said, God, you're faithful regardless. We're going to believe in one thing, but if it doesn't come back, we know you have a greater plan. We believe that healing is for now, but if it doesn't happen, we are going to believe in your trust. And I know that healing can come in the supernatural and it can come in other ways, but we're going to walk that way. But I still had that moment. And I can gladly say today that my dad is in remission. My dad is taking a pill, but he is in remission. He's actually here in the back. Uh, and it's amazing to see his strength on, just to see the faithfulness of God take place. And some of you might still be in that bottom spot. And you're saying, it is gritting my teeth to say the word rejoice. But I'm gonna ask you to do it regardless. Because what's hard now will be easy then. If you can't rejoice now, why not start with a little step? Why not start with a, with a crawl? Why not fall to your face on God and say, this is me going forward? As long as you're making progress, God is saying, I'm right there with you. And then regardless of the outcome, we need to understand that if we have salvation in Jesus, we say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life and I will live for you forever that is enough. And everything else that happens in this life is a bonus. And I had to walk that out. And it was probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to walk through in my life. But it brought trust to know that I need to get into God's community. I need to get into God's word. I need to not listen to the noise of this world, but I need to maybe turn on worship. I need to pray like I've never prayed before. And can I be honest with you? All of those things were the last thing that I wanted to do. And what I've come to realize is when it's the last thing that you want to do, then it needs to become the first thing that you need to do. And so my encouragement to maybe some of you that are in that, and you're saying even to turn on a Christian radio station is like lifting a thousand pounds. Just let someone else do it for you. Let the church be the church and lift your arms and walk with you. Because that is when the imperfection of humanity becomes a perfect family. Is when we walk with each other. And then the, the last point is God listens to your prayers. John 5, 14 says this, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. And this is the biggest difference between any religion that is in this world. Everything is this. Well, I hope it goes down. Maybe this will work out. But when we pray, 
And when we seek God, when we read his word, these are not, these are not hopeful wishes, but these are promised declarations that are going to take place. But again, believing that Jesus has the greater plan. But as Christmas time, Bible talks about that if God is the greatest gift giver, how, or if, 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 man, if God is the greatest gift giver and man can give good gifts, how much more can God answer our prayers? But if we're not asking, you will not be receiving. So what difference does it make if you just ask? What worse could happen if you just ask for it? And so all of these things are taking place. And, and so you're saying, okay, these are great Bible verses is great, but, but how do I sh- live it out, right? It's great to sit in here and nod and, and say this is a good message. How do I live out being joyful? If I'm going to choose to rejoice, how do I do that? Uh, so how do we show joy? And I love it because we show joy by giving and by serving. And as Paul linked before, joy comes with giving and serving. Going back to 2 Corinthians, in the midst of a severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in great generosity. And in this verse, Paul's writing to the Macedonian church, and he's going on to explain that their joy caused them to give as much as they were able to, and even possibly beyond their abilities. And so when you don't know what else to do, you're saying, I want to be joyful. I want to show God's love. I want to do those these things. We just need you to Use the talents that God gave you. Be available to when God's asking you to do something and then just doing it, right? And what you don't need to do is say, well, I don't have as much money as that person. I don't have the type of talents that they have. I can't communicate the way that he can communicate. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. Because when we compare someone, we kill the ambition that God has for you. So give what you can give. What if opening a door for someone answers the prayer to someone to say, God, does anyone even care about me? But you opened a door. I'm training my five-year-old son how to open doors. And if my five-year-old son can open a door, we can open a door. So how are we being generous and how are we serving the world? Really, when I look down on it, it's, it's the WWJD bracelet model. And for those of you that didn't grow up in church in the early 90s, we had this really cool fashion trend uh, that had a WWJD bracelet and it represented what would Jesus do? And Mark 10, 45 explains what would Jesus do for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The difference between us living our lives, serving and giving and between the world living their lives is they're gaining everything for themselves. We need to gain as much as we can to give out so that when we're giving, we're actually receiving. It's a weird catch 22. You're saying, I'm going to give everything and God's going to fill you up with things that you never thought he was going to fill you up with. And the plans that maybe you had no idea were going to come to fruition came to fruition because you finally allowed God to be number one in your life instead of a close second. We don't want a Lysol relationship. 99.9% is not 100%. We need to give everything so that we can allow everyone to come into an opportunity with Jesus. Because when we look past the joy of the Christmas time, we need to look towards the cross. Because when... Christmas brings the joy, the cross will finally seal the joy.
because you can't keep the joy of Christmas forever, right? Because then you'll be the weird person that celebrates Christmas in July. You can't continue to carry that on, but you can carry the joy of the cross because Jesus has brought fruition to the greatest promise that this world has been desiring for, and that's a relationship with God. The beginning of creation, we had a relationship with God. Was that like a best friend? And because of sin, it got ruined. And the baby Jesus was a promise that's saying, I have not forgotten you. I have not forsaken you. All of the promises that were coming in the Old Testament are coming to fruition now. Just wait to what's going to happen. And then as we saw Jesus grow, we saw Jesus' ministry. Then we saw Jesus uh, sacrificing himself on the cross. And then three days later, not just say, well, that was cool, but he conquered death, hell, and the grave so that you could have a relationship with God the Father. And can I tell you the coolest thing about it? It has nothing to do with your coolness. It has nothing to do with your accolades. It has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with your church attendance, but it has everything to do with your understanding that you are in need of a savior. And so how do we have true joy past the Christmas season? And as I was thinking about it and praying for this message, I kind of came up uh, with this acronym What is true joy? It's understanding that Jesus outlasts you. Because 2,000 years ago, before you were even a thought, Jesus outlasts sin. And Jesus outlasts the grave. So that when you're in your dark place, you need to look back to what God's promises to understand that his promises remain true today, that his promises will remain true next year, that his promises will continue to remain until we are face to face with him and can celebrate and see that this hill that we have died for was truly an anthill because Jesus outlasts you. 1 John 1, 3 through 4 says this, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus. We write this to make our joy complete. And I believe, church, that a completed joy does not happen until you come into an understanding that you are in need of Jesus. Because if you don't, you will continue to have the the joy that lasts momentarily. You will continue to have the letdowns. You will continue to see humanity for what they are. You will continue to do all these different things. But it's not until you say, I need someone greater than me. That's when Jesus shines. That's when he, when he says that he continues, knocks and seeks and asks. That's when you find they're like, I've got nothing else. I'm just going to open the door. And there's a fulfillment that comes like none other. Because this is the great thing about God is he is not a tyrant. He is not a dictator. He is not saying, 
He's not coming from behind you. Be like, move faster. Why are you not going as fast? Why don't you get it? Or he's not here. Be like, come on. You could do way better. Like, come on, let's go, let's go. But instead, when we trip and fall, he kneels down with us. And he puts our arms around the shoulder. And he says, hey, I know this has been a really hard year. Hey, I know you've been praying for your kid to come back. Hey, I know that you've been asking for this miracle, this blessing, this kid, this, I I understand this. And you've got this. I'm with you right here. I'm not moving. I'm not going anywhere. Right here with you. And when you're ready to stand back up, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna be here for you. And let's do this. But it's on you. But I'm not leaving you. And so then you finally maybe stand back up and he just again puts that arm around your shoulder and he goes, I'm so proud of you. I knew you could get up. Let's keep going. But we'll go at your pace. But no, I'm going to walk with you. And so church, you need to understand this morning that God is walking with you. And when we realize we are in need of him, that's when we're getting up and we're coming to life that he has called us to live. And so with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I just want to take an opportunity to allow God to move the only way that he can move. And you might be sitting here and saying, you know what? I've never truly asked Jesus into my heart and asked him to be my Lord or my savior and committed my life to him. For, the, for any time, for the first time, or you might also be standing here, sitting here and saying, hey, you know what? I feel like I'm tripped up, I'm down, I'm out, and I felt abandoned, I felt lost, but I'm coming to an understanding that God has never left me. And I'm gonna decide today that I'm just gonna get up. And I'm gonna continue to move forward into the, the life that God has called me to live. And so if either one of those are you this morning and you're saying, I want to accept Jesus into my heart for the first time or I want to get back up and recommit my life and continue on that journey. If that's you, of one of those two things, I'm just going to ask you just to slip your hand. No one is looking. This is a moment between you and God. But if that's you and you're just feeling the pressure on your heart, that's God saying, hey, it's time. And if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to just slip a hand. this. Can we, can we all stand? Can I call the prayer teams up front? So here's what I want to do too. As we continue, as we close out 2019, I just want us to just symbolically let go of 2019. Whether it was a great year, whether it was a terrible year, let's just let go of 2019. You know, the Bible talks about that God's way is never supposed to be heavy or burdenful, but it's supposed to be light. And some of us are holding on to too many things. So can we let go of 2019, your mistakes, your victories, and we're just gonna give it to God. We're just gonna say, Jesus, you're gonna take it all. And I'm gonna give it to you so that when 2020 starts, you're gonna start light, you're gonna start refreshed, and you're gonna start ready and waiting to see what God's gonna do. So we do, will you do this symbolically? Would you just lift your hands as you're just kind of like letting go of what happened? 
You're almost like tossing it. You're saying, Jesus, I just want you to take it. So God, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. God, we thank you for an opportunity to come into your presence. And God, know that as much as we love the Christmas season, we love the reason for it that much more. So God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you died on the cross so that we could come into a relationship with you, that there's nothing that we have to do to earn, but God, everything that you have done. And we just say yes. So God, as we get ready for 2020, God, I pray for salvations. God, I pray for healings. God, I pray for revival to take place. Wherever our feet go, revival is gonna happen. So God, I pray that as we have greater vision to what you have called us to do, help us to get out of our way. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. God, you have received everything that has been given to you right now and it has not overwhelmed you. So God, help us to walk out different than the way we walked back in. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.